You guys are in for such a treat. I'm speaking with Mally today. She is a girl I recently got to have like a one-on-one coffee date with. And everything she was saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Just We have to just do all this on a repeat and record it and share it on a podcast. So that is basically what we did. I don't have a lot of fluff before we hit record. So here we go. We're about to dive in. You guys are going to love this one. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Before we dive in, here is the review of the week. It says, this podcast speaks so much truth. Aw. <laughs> she says, I recently listened to the one with Janine and her thoughts about thriving in your single years. So much truth to everything she said. Highly recommend this podcast to any young woman. Mm, you guys, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for your reviews. If you would take a quick second and leave a review, I would love to share yours next week on the podcast. Just to let you know, I'm chatting with Mally. We had coffee about two weeks ago, and it was one of the best coffee dates in the world. (laughs) And I felt like she just has so much to share from what she's walked through recently, personally. And I felt like it's just so relatable. Like 99 out of 100 (laughs) girls can relate to what she has recently walked through. So she's just going to tell you guys, too, because she is brave and willing to do that. So thank you so much. So first of all, can you introduce yourself? Who is Mally? Yes, uh, my name is Mally. I am a junior at UTC right now. I'm in Kappa Delta Sorority. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm the third of four children. Nice. Um, was raised in a big Catholic family, so faith has been a huge part of my life um, since I was a baby. Nice. And you, recently you just went through a breakup. Yes. Um, first getting into that relationship versus being in it. How long did y'all date? We dated for about eight months. Okay, so like maybe beginning, middle, and um, and end. And then we're going to yeah. like, the, the main purpose now is a month after this relationship, looking back, what you wish you would have known, what you see now so clearly that you didn't see then, mm-hmm. and how you can, you know, be wiser for the next time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so first we'll just go to when you first met. Were there warning signs? What did you see now that you didn't see then? I think when we first met, I was kind of in a state of mind where I didn't think I wanted to be in a relationship at the time. I had kind of gone out with a guy for a very short time, only like three weeks prior. I wasn't serious with the guy because it was only about a month, but I afterward was like, this is time for myself and everything. And I met this guy through a mutual friend, and right from the start, I just was head over heels for him. I thought... He was the most incredible person I had ever met. Right away, we were able to be vulnerable with each other in very deep conversations. And for me, that means so much more than any other aspects. If I can sit down and really be real with you and tell you my story and know that you are genuinely listening and that you can share your story with me as well. Um, Because it's easy for me to share my story with others, but for somebody to open up to me is when I really feel that love back in return. Um, And so I was able to have that. We were vulnerable with each other from the very first night that we met. And it led to us spending 
all of our time together right away. And we only really knew each other for about three weeks before we started dating. So it was all very fresh, very new. I had never been in a serious relationship before and I knew from the start that it was going to be pretty serious. It was second semester of my sophomore year and his freshman year. So there was already a difference in our age um, and where we were at in our lives. But I went with it. Um, I was excited for all of these new things with somebody um, and somebody that I really, really cared about. I knew about two months in that I was in love with him. I thought he's just, everything he did was beautiful to me. And I didn't realize through those months of us dating that I was letting the love I have for him was it was blinding the love that I had for Jesus honestly and the love that I had for myself and I was putting every single thing of my life into him and I always knew you're supposed to make your significant other a priority in your life and instead of making him a priority I made him the only priority and I didn't see that at the time I was making sure that we were always spending time together and I was making all my decisions around him and I didn't think twice about it during the relationship. The relationship was great, it really was. It had ups and downs and there were times where I was like, well, this is how relationships are going to be though. Every relationship is different and although there were some signs during it that I was hesitant about or that made me doubt myself or the relationship in general I kind of just kept pushing it back because I knew that I was so in love with this man and that that was who I wanted to be with and the breakup hit me out of completely nowhere we had had an argument that night but I it was no bigger or greater or more serious than any other kind of argument we'd had before so I didn't think that that was going to be the it of it it was a struggle I realized like right after it happened I saw a side of myself that I'd never seen before as I just begged and begged. I mean, I now look back and I'm like, why did I do that? What was I thinking? Like, I was in the mindset that if I didn't have him, I didn't have anything. And I didn't know that at the time, but that's why. That's why I begged him and just wished for him to take me back and just cried and cried. And I took a week of us not talking. Actually, it wasn't even a week. It was like four days. And then we got back into like trying to be friends right away. And it was so hard because it was like, I was only really being friends with him because I wanted to get back together with him. And it was because I thought I needed to get back together with him. And as we took some time apart, I realized all the things that I kind of started to see in the relationship that weren't good and how much I lost myself in so many different aspects. Like I said earlier, my faith has always been a big part of my life. And I realized that I wasn't going to church as often. Even bigger than that, I wasn't praying daily like I used to. And there were just some things that it wasn't that I, I don't put that on him, I put it on who I became in the relationship and how that made me lose myself because I did put everything into him. Through this journey apart, like you said, it's been about a month. Um, We've had some serious ups and downs throughout this last month. Last time you and I met for coffee, uh, about like two or three weeks ago, I was so firm on the breakup and was so confident in who I am outside of it and a couple days later I literally fell back into it basically and when he reached out to me which I was hoping he would do in a sense like I was like I hope he misses me the way I miss him my friends kind of told me they're like you need to give him that space because he's not going to realize what he's missing if you're always there for him and so I gave him that space and about a week later he texted me that he wanted to talk 
you're always going to get mixed views from other people. People are like, yeah, go talk to him, see what he needs to say. Other people are like, don't talk to him, like, yeah. just leave it. But at the end of the day, it's what I want and what's going yeah. to please me. And I knew that when I really needed to talk to him a few weeks before, he was respectful and talked to me, and I needed to give that back to him. And we talked, and there was just still a lot of messiness and just mixed feelings. I was so confused. Like, it was obvious we missed each other, but I got nervous that it was more of we missed who we played in the other person's life because I realized that I liked feeling that safety and that comfort, mm -hmm. and I thought that without him I couldn't feel that, and that's not the truth. And so although we had that back and forth kind of, when people told me you don't need to be going back to him, like all this stuff... I'm glad that I had that time, though, because I now know, like, I learned myself. I can't just keep listening to other people and learn it. I went through it, and I learned, and it's like, wow, like, I needed to kind of hear his side of it, and although I fell back into it when I knew it wasn't right for me, now, because of those kind of what we talked about at the coffee date and things that I realized after the relationship that had been wrong during the relationship those all became so much more apparent now. Yeah, I'm at a different place now. Yeah. I'm, um, I have a devotional that I've already been doing every day. <laughs> I am already planning to go to church this weekend with one of my friends. And so it's just so helpful because I am learning that stuff. And I had to learn. I was way too dependent on him for my happiness and everything and lost track of the fact that I was a very confident woman before I met him, mm -hmm. that I was very dependent independent woman before I met him. So I'm trying to find myself back to that. <laughs> right back to you. Yes, for sure. I love that. Okay, you said so many good things. I want to go back and unpack. First of all, at the beginning of that relationship, you said you kind of, you know, he could do no wrong, right? Yeah. Just, you know, all the romantic songs yes. are playing in the background. Yeah. That's totally normal. And that's, it's a good stage. It's a butterfly stage, right? I recently listened to a podcast where someone was kind of unpacking this, and they actually did neurological studies mm -hmm. on this kind of butterfly stage, as we call it, where couples had just started dating. And um, don't ask me to remember the, the <laughs> sections of the brain, but they did studies, and it was like three sections of your brain light up during this infatuation stage. Yeah. It's the same sections that light up when you were on cocaine. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, I also heard a different study. This was by Gary Thomas, who wrote a lot of marriage books. And he did some homework on it, and he said that the stage can neurologically only last 12 to 18 months. So that butterfly yeah. stage of you can do no wrong, you're perfect, mm -hmm. I see nothing wrong with you, it's cute, but it's also not sustainable. Yeah. So I think it's interesting and perfectly normal mm -hmm. that you could see no wrong in him. But I'm curious, did you, you mentioned having friends that were kind of playing into this during the breakup, but the, in that yeah. beginning stage, were there friends that were like, this is awesome, I'm so proud of you, or this is like friends that were like, mm, Mally, you're not who you used to be in this relationship. I'm curious, were there any people, you know, kind of weighing into your life during that time? Yes, actually, there was one of my friends who had kind of told me that, um, I think she noticed that I was falling off a little bit and I took it as very offensively sure. of course no. and I think what was also very hard in it was she had some great things to say but she also had some very negative things to say and I think that that really hurt me because it became less of 
who he was in my life and who I was as an individual. And I think that that was really hard for me to hear some of that. And I'm realizing now, like, I did need that time to figure it out on my own. And I'm thankful for that. But it was really hard for me also because that was only one friend. And all of my other friends were really excited for me and so happy for me. And I think what was hard was that she saw some of the changes in who I was. She hadn't known me for very long, though. But I think a lot of my other friends saw the happiness that I felt, and they wanted that happiness for me. So they kind of saw it in a different light of the fact that, like, I wasn't as involved in my faith. And I take a lot of that on myself because looking back, I was just open about, like, oh, yeah, I'm still strong in my faith, or I'm still doing this. Like, I was open as if I was doing it, but I wasn't. And so it was kind of like I was just putting on a front so people would think I was the same person I had been before, but I wasn't her. (laughs) Well, I hope you know this is so normal. Like, I have so many girls walk through this, and so I'm so thankful for you being brave and sharing your story Mm -hmm. because I feel like this is so relatable. But that friend who you know, kind of said, hey, I, I see some red flags here. Yeah. Of course you were defensive. Like, that's totally yeah. normal. Going back, though, do you wish you would have listened? Do you wish you would have had more friends that were like, I just see some things, you know, or, or maybe is there something that she could have said or wish you would have heard from a friend to help you kind of avoid some heartache? I think I wish I would have been more open-minded when she did talk to me. It was at the very beginning of our relationship as well. So, Honestly, like, if I would have heard it a couple months in or more months in, it may have helped more. But when I had heard it, I was, everything was so new that it was really hard for me to think that, like, she doesn't know what she's, talk- yeah. she's talking about. Like, and I think that that was the main issue of that. But I do kind of wish people said things throughout. But at the same time, like, when I do think back on it, there weren't a lot of things out on the open that people would have known about or that they would have been concerned about because... Mm-hmm. We were very happy, and I was very much in love with him, and he was a good man. I just think that there are some things that we both need to grow in. I feared a lot with it being my first relationship, just how much him and I did talk about the future. I would fear sometimes, like, oh, wow, like, I guess this could be amazing. I never experienced heartbreak, but then I would also think, like, oh, my gosh, what if I do marry him and I never experience heartbreak? Like, you hear about, like, the heartbreak and how people grow from it. And I was like, well, maybe I just don't need that growth. But now I'm realizing how helpful this growth has been to me and everything. So you have such a good perspective on all of this stuff because, you know, it's so easy for us to be like, how dare he? And, you know, blame, 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 blame. You know, obviously this wasn't a bad guy. It just wasn't your best. It just wasn't the best match for you. So mm-hmm. I I love your perspective of taking a responsibility of, I lost my faith, but it's not like he held me down and said, you can't read your Bible. You know, yes, I lost yeah. who I was, but he didn't say it wasn't his fault. Yeah. So first of all, kudos for taking responsibility <laughs> on that because a lot of yes. girls don't realize that. But can you talk us through who you were, who you lost, and becoming finding who you are again post this relationship? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, in high school, I think I was a freshman or a sophomore, I started writing letters to my future husband right away. And I've always been the romantic and just so passionate about love and marriage and parenthood. It's all the things that I want in life. And I really do feel called to be a mother, and I've prayed to God about it a lot. And I realized in high school I could write these letters to my future husband, and it made it feel more real. And so I was never the relationship type in high school. I was independent. I 
didn't worry about what was going on. I knew some of my friends were in relationships, and at times I'd be like, oh, I kind of want that. But I also knew at the time, like, I'm not going to marry a guy I date sophomore year of high school, more than likely. So it was, like, not worth it to me. And so I just focused on myself a lot. And freshman year of college, there were more people that were starting to get in relationships around me. And it was kind of still like, oh, I want that. But I never lost sight of the fact that I was still writing letters to my future husband. Freshman year of college, in October, I was I was wild in general. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, of course, when you come off to college, one night I had been out and had just been partying and ended up losing a group of girls I was with, became with a random group of girls, and was sexually assaulted at a party. And that was a moment where I really lost that whole independent self that I had worked so hard to have. And I felt broken and I felt lost because I had created who I was in God. And when this happened to me, you, you hear it. Um, I remember orientation. They said one in five college women will be assaulted. And I think to myself, I'm not going to be that one in five. And three months later, I was. And it was a really huge struggle for me because somebody took something from me and they took my worth. So I saw it. I was just in a very bad place for about two months, um, honestly longer than that, but I decided to go back home for a semester, and that was when I started to gain that high school self back, and I was like, I'm going to work on my faith. I'm going to realize that God didn't put me in this situation, but he's going to bring me through it, and he really did, and I just, that four or five months at home was the best decision for me after everything that had happened. My parents were so supportive about everything, and my friends were so supportive. Um, And I started to see that that high school self-innocence was coming back. I was never going to be that same 18-year-old girl because I had been through a lot of experiences that she hadn't been through. And so I was kind of finding my faith where I was at. When I transferred back here sophomore year, I was so confident in who I was. And once again, like, I, all my friends were dating and everything, and I was like, I knew I wanted something like that, but at the same time, I was confident in who I was and that God has a plan for me and a man for me for one day. As I got into this relationship, I think I was so just, like, absorbed by it and all this greatness of, like, oh, my goodness, I get to feel this love that all my friends have felt and feel in these relationships, yeah. and I lost myself again and I didn't even see it. And what really helped me though was he was a very respectful man and he understood everything that I had been through when I had lost um, myself freshman year and he really helped me through everything. And so I'm very, very thankful for all of that time. Um, And I think sometimes I mistake somebody being like there for me more than it is, I guess. I don't know how to word it, but um, the fact that he was there for me during all of it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Like, and it's it's so much more than that. But like, I don't know. I just, I'm a two on the Enneagram. <laughs> and so I am always helping other people, of course. And when I start to feel that love in return, I think it's, a, it's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing that could ever happen to me. And there was a lot of greatness, but there were a lot of times during the relationship, too, where I realized that I wasn't getting the love in return that I, I deserve. It took coming out of that relationship to realize it. I guess it was kind of always there during it, but it wasn't. I wasn't addressing it. I knew it was there, but I wasn't addressing it as I should have, and now I'm learning that and learning that 
I can't put all of those expectations on a human being. I need to put them into Christ. Mm, and, and that's what's helping me a lot after the breakup is that all the stuff that I thought he could help me with and, like, he was, like, honestly, my Savior, and he's not. Like, that's, that's Jesus. Like, and so that's where I'm at right now, learning that I'm taking it all to the Lord and that I'm learning to love myself again and that who I am is not defined by the person that's next to me. It's defined by the person who's always with me, Jesus. Man. So, <laughs> yes. God, that is so good. And again, how common this is to make a relationship our idol. And yeah. so is it fair to say that's what happened and you probably just got For lost sure. in that? Yeah. yeah. And it's like I didn't even realize like how much time had gone by where I hadn't been practicing my faith the way I had before and then it was like whoa it's been eight months and I am not the same person I was eight months ago and I'm really thankful for all of the growth during our relationship and everything that I learned from him um, and that he's helped me become but I'm also very thankful for who I'm becoming after it and outside of it yeah Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I just need to let you know real quick, I am booking speaking dates and I would absolutely love to come to your college and tell the sorority women at your school, you guys can change the world. I need to be real with you guys for a quick minute. I was an advisor for two years. I was in the room as we had to listen to the just to be real boring speakers that they had to book to kind of check that check mark for women's empowerment or for risk reduction or for sisterhood. And I sat in those boring meetings watching the girls roll their eyes and try to pay attention. And when I started my own speaking journey, I vowed to be anything but boring. I was speaking at a school up in Northern Tennessee not too long ago, and I had a girl come up to me afterwards who said, I brought my homework content to completely ignore this mandatory speaker, just knowing it would be boring. And I did not even take out my homework. You have no idea how everything you said resonates with me. And that was the most just powerful review I've ever had. And just a reminder that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And I'm just so thankful for this opportunity to speak truth to you guys. And I would just love to be able to speak truth to your chapter. I am booking now for speaking dates for spring semester. Now, if you're interested in what I talk about, go back to episode 11. I share the keynote that I shared at Mississippi State all about why I believe sorority girls can change the world. It's my marketing background, how I saw you guys have a $100 million power of influence over the marketplace. That is your actual trend-setting power why and how you can use this power to set trends that matter, change the dating world, change the world with your buying power, serve the community in your college town, and the sisterhood that makes every great movement possible. I have a faith-based and a non-faith-based message. So as we have a conversation about me coming to your school, we can talk about what works best for the women in your Panhellenic. I've spoken at Panhellenic meetings, chapter retreats, chapter meetings, pretty much anywhere there is sorority women who need to know they're so much more amazing than the world tells them, they can freaking change the world. And I have proof. All the details you need are on my website, katiebulmer.life. But you guys, I'm super easy to get in touch with. You can DM me on Instagram, which I also made super easy. My handle is at katiebulmerlife. Tell the people on your executive board how to get in touch with me because I would love to have a conversation about bringing the sorority girls can change the world message to your school. 
Okay, so going back to if you could meet yourself before you got into this relationship, and and I know that we learn so much through walking through pain, and and you've been very gracious to yourself mm-hmm. in learning that you know although this hurts, you learn so much. But I'm sure if you could, you would have avoided some of those heartaches mm-hmm. and decisions. So what would you tell yourself if you could can meet yourself before this relationship? Yes, I would tell myself to stay true to your word and to yourself because. I had a whole list that I had made like 16, 17 years old of what I expected my future husband to be like. And I never dated um, around because I knew that like when I'm in a relationship, I want it to be like it, mm-hmm. like I want to know. And of course you don't know right away, but um, I did have those thoughts on him. And so what I would tell myself is to really look back and like, Think of those lists. Think of what you want in that ideal man because he does exist. Yes. And I didn't realize that I I wasn't lowering my standards for him at all. I was morphing who I wanted my future husband to be to be him. And so he is incredible, and he reaches so many great expectations. And But what it was was that I knew what I wanted him in a man, and he wasn't it for me. And I kept changing that because I was like I want him to be it for me this relationship has been so good it's going to be him and it's not Mm -hmm. and so I think I would just let myself know like you need to be aware and you know when you see things that don't seem right don't hold back because you're afraid to talk and that was very common it was just I I oftentimes think that like what I have to say doesn't matter and that I can just hold it back and everything will be okay. I don't want to cause conflict or anything like that. And the last thing I want to ever do is make somebody else upset. And so I would hold back and that whole time I was just making myself more upset <laughs> and I didn't realize it. So it's helped a lot. <laughs> uh, it's called confirmation bias. I've yeah. studied this stuff, so I have mm-hmm. a lot of random information for you. But yeah, yeah, it's called confirmation bias. So you look for someone to, to, fit the mold you want them to fit, Mm -hmm. like you said. So, okay, I want him to have faith. Oh, he prayed one time the third Thursday of the month, so therefore he is a wonderful Christian leader. Yeah. So, yeah, we look for what we want to see. Mm -hmm. It's called confirmation bias. We do it. We all do it. Yeah. So And we take those little things, like you said, because there were great things that he did, and I would take it, Mm -hmm. and I would just make that the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And um, one experience and a couple experiences aren't going to tie into who you want to be as a man every single day. So. I think, there, so to the girl listening who's like, okay, you know, I think he's a good guy, but there are a few red flags. <laughs> you know, and no guy is perfect. I don't want you to hear yeah. that you have to have your standards so high mm-hmm. that, you know, he's human too, so 100%, yes, like he's yeah. going to be flawed. But how how can we help define for them what's non-excusable, what is... Yeah you know, what is important to not negotiate on what is, you know what I'm trying to say? I think so, yeah. Um, I would say if in those red flags, um, if it's affecting who you are mm-hmm. as a person, because there there can be things that we think are a red flag, but I don't know how to word this because I don't want people to, like, mistake what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, because I, I listen to your podcast. I have... Um, since they started and I heard things about women talking about relationships and the red flags that they saw and kind of similar questions to this and I listened and I was and I was in a relationship since um, your podcast started so I would hear these things and be like oh, no like that's yeah. not it and some of them I would hear and be like 
mm, that sounds a little familiar. Like, but I would just keep it and I would just not worry about it. Every relationship's different. That's what I kept telling myself. And every relationship is different. But if you are losing who you are as a human being and who you are, um, in a broader sense, I lost my identity in Christ because I put my identity in Him. And that is what I would say. If you realize that it's not Jesus that you're finding yourself through and it's the boy that you're falling in love with, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Amen. Because <laughs> a marriage should be you two working together in Christ. Yeah. And if you don't have that in dating, you can't keep thinking that a ring is going to change it because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, listen, <laughs> there are no marriage problems. There are single people problems in a marriage. Yeah. Habits do not change when you put on a white dress and he puts on a tux. You are on a path becoming a future person. Mm-hmm. And those paths don't change unless they are changed on purpose. No one drifts toward becoming a better human being. All of that takes work. Yeah. So to say, well, it's okay. I'm not saying that your last boyfriend did this, but this is a common excuse I hear. It's okay if he looks at porn a little bit. It's okay if he has a wondering eye when we go out to dinner. It's okay. You know, all those little things you make excuses for. If he is not, you know, in a plan to be a better person or get recovery or make changes for an alcohol habit or whatever it may be, that doesn't change because he gives you a ring. Yeah. That doesn't change because you put on a white dress. So, huh, yes and amen yeah. to all of that. And you've probably heard me say this before, but the best example I have is is a triangle. You are at the base and he is at the base and mm-hmm. God is at the top. And you both having your eyes on Jesus at the top and you meeting at the top of that triangle, that is the way it's yeah. supposed to be. And yes, much better relationships that way. Yeah. And I think another um, point on kind of what you had just said too, it doesn't change with the ring, but it also doesn't change by me telling you what's going on. And I think that was what was really hard is I would try to tell him the things that I was like, we need to work on this, like, and everything. And the fact of the matter is if, they don't want to change who they are. They're not going to change who they are. Yeah. And that's another red flag. Yeah. <laughs> if I need to <laughs> try to get you to change who you are, you're not who I need you to be. And um, and I'm not who I'm supposed to be in this then. So that was some of what I learned too. You have an incredible story about <laughs> losing the incredible person you are <laughs> and finding her again. Yeah. And we talked about this when we went to coffee two yes. weeks, and that is another reason I'm so excited for you guys to hear Mally's story. So tell me about that. About losing myself and finding myself well, back? the writing and finding your, yes. Yes, your passion yeah. again. Um, so I started, like, a blog in high school I and mean, just kind of wrote random things. I've always journaled and I thought that it would be really neat to just put my words out there. I was nervous about it, but I got so much positive feedback and all of these girls who were my age or two years older or by the time I was a senior were a freshman, like girls that were younger than me, girls were older than me, my age, everybody's like, like your words, like it's so relatable, they help so much. And I was just in awe of it because I was like, I'm just writing what I'm feeling. I don't know what you're talking about. But it helped so much to get, like, the words that I write in my journal for myself to put them out there and be like, no woman is alone. We're all going through the same stuff. And so, um, yeah, I wrote all through high school. And I continued my blog in college. My freshman year, my second semester, when I had gone back home, I totally transformed it into more of like a website and really started like trying to make it like a name for myself I guess and so when I transfer transformed it into a website 
I wanted something that was different than just like Mally or just like having my name on it. And I couldn't think of what I wanted to do. And one of my friends and I had this really deep conversation about it. And she started talking about like, what really inspires you to write? What is it? And of course I'm like, oh, it's just my words, you know? And, and she was like, it's more than that. There's something down there that like is why you want to get everything out there. And I realized that it was because I want to be a light. And that all started um, from a story from when I was in the sixth grade. And my school had learned about abortion one day. And I went home and I was just like trying to wrap my head around it. I was just crying to my mom, being like, this is insane. Why would somebody ever do this? Like, I don't get it. And she told me that, um, she said, I'm going to give you a personal experience. And um, I believe you're at the age. And she said, last year, there was a family friend of ours um, who had whose daughter's friend was pregnant. She was 19 years old at the time, a freshman in college. And when she found out she was pregnant, she was completely lost, had no idea what to do. She thought she was alone. And her friend, our family friend, was just incredible and was there for her and had her back and was like, we're going to get through this. And so she started reaching out to her parents, and her parents reached out to my family, and they were explaining the situation to, the, to my parents. And my parents looked at each other and just felt this calling. And they were like, we're gonna, we're gonna let her into our lives. We're gonna do whatever we can to help her. And so my parents had all those options for her, were willing to do absolutely anything to make sure that this baby lived and that the mom was safe as well. And um, when the 19 year old told her own parents, she told them in hopes of like, I have a family that's going to help me out and take care of the baby. Everything's going to work out. Her parents convinced her otherwise and started telling her of, all of the hard things about being pregnant at her age and all the bad things that a baby could bring her in their eyes. And um, they convinced her to get an abortion. This left my parents heartbroken because they had this whole perspective that they were about to welcome this new life into the world and two new lives. They were going to let this 19-year-old in whatever way they needed to bring into our home of already four crazy children. Wait, so your parents were willing to adopt the 19-year-old and the baby? They were willing to let her live at our house while she was pregnant. Um, let her, they any options. They told her if in two years you're on your feet and you're ready to be a mother, it'll be hard for us to let go of a two-year-old, but if that's your will, yeah. it's your will. My parents wanted this baby alive more than anything. It wasn't necessarily that they wanted the baby to be theirs. Right. It was just for it to have just life, to help her. have yeah. that, yeah, have that chance of life. And they wanted to help the mother as much as they could. So let her know you're not alone. You have the support. Mm -hmm. Look at all of these things. We want you to know. So my mom told me this um, a year after it had happened. So I was hearing of it and was just heartbroken about this mother that I had never met and this potential sister to me that I had never met, and she never got this opportunity at life. And it was such a struggle for me. And I turned it around, and I started praying for um, the women, who pregnant women everywhere, and who are, don't know what decision they're going to make. And, um, and I know that that's difficult. And so I pray for them. I pray for all the unborn babies. I started attending March for Life. I did that for four years. So I just became an advocate for it. And as I got older and started really understanding everything that went on, I realized how much of an impact that baby had had on my life without me ever meeting her. 
my parents, before they had heard the news and everything, they had decided on the name Lucy, if they were going to adopt her. And Lucy is a family name, uh, but Lucy also means um, light. As I was like having this deep conversation with my friend, she's like, what makes you want to write? I was like, I, I want to be a big sister to my actual sister, of course, but I also want to be a big sister to Lucy and to all girls everywhere that don't have that. And that was my inspiration. So my website is named Lucy <laughs> um, because it is by the light of Lucy that I feel like I am called to write and am able to get the words that Jesus puts into my heart out into the world for others. So. Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> crying. That's, that's awesome. And I'm so proud of you and your parents because, <clears throat> sorry, no, you're is, good. It is easy for anyone, Christians in general, anyone, to say I'm against something, but to welcome uh, yeah. a scared 19-year-old mama and a baby and yeah. name her and get a crib for her. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, no, I, I'm mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. I'm for life. And, and they put their heart and time and money mm-hmm. where their mouth is. And so yeah. kudos to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They are for all life. And that's... That's how I feel too. And to have, I'm very blessed to have them as my parents and as role models to know that, like, I got to stay true to that word too. If I'm going to advocate for life, I'm going to advocate for all life. And I'm going to be there for all people, regardless of what you're going through. So, So where can we find this blog you speak of? (laughs) Yes. So, um, the link is actually on my Instagram bio. My Insta name is Mally Grace, it's M A L L Y. G-R-A-C-E-E. Add in an extra E because Mally Grace was taken. So you never have enough E. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's what it is. I guess to add on too, I um I took on Lucy as another middle name. So you'll see it when you click on my Instagram. It says Malachi Grace Lucy Doyle. So I took it as a name through um, a Catholic sacrament, and now it is part of me forever. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Okay, before we let you go, if you could have coffee with your freshman self, what would you tell her? Ooh, <laughs> there's a long road ahead of her right. that she was not expecting. Um, I, I think I would tell her to be brave through every single situation. You're never going to please everybody, never. So talk about things when you need to talk about them, but... Don't just do things because other people are telling you to do them. Make the decision on your own. Preach. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mally. Yes, you're welcome. Did you enjoy this episode? Did I say anything that resonated with you? It would mean the world to me to hear your feedback. Just take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram, tag me so I can thank you, or you can share from Spotify. They make it really easy to share the link to your Snapchat, Facebook, or Instagram. Share it with a friend, but just please help us share it because as I said a million times, sorority girls are trendsetters and it would mean the world for you to help me get the word out about this podcast. Thanks for joining me, friends, and I hope that you're walking away today with some truth for your 20s.